Thank you so much for coming today. Appreciate your time. Again, I know you don't have to be here, but you've chosen to be here, so we're so grateful for that. Um, our platform is virtually complete. It's been a long time coming. Beth and I talked when we first started planning for this. It'd probably be about a week, maybe two weeks, and it's been like six months or something like that. So, um, but we're closing the end of it. It's pretty much done. We got a few just minor details on the back and covers and different things that we have to finish up, but we're grateful for that. And then our piano, our new piano is coming on Monday. So tomorrow we're getting our new piano. We're so grateful for that, for all who gave, and uh, just what a blessing that is. Um, we looked at, uh, Beth went up to play the piano just to make sure and make sure it was all good, everything was good to go. And uh, the sticker price on the piano was $38,000. So we got $10,000 off that piano, and uh, we're just so grateful for that. It was still available. There was another person interested in it, and they backed out on that. And so we were able to continue on. So we just believe the Lord was in this the whole way. Obviously, the Lord provided the finances for that. So we're just so grateful, and uh, we're excited about it. My wife's extremely excited about it. Uh, Alyssa Nelson is extremely excited about it, and it's a pretty cool piano. So we're excited to have that. Uh, you'll see that Thursday night if you uh, come Thursday night. So we're just so grateful. Would you please take your Bibles with me and turn to John chapter 19. John chapter 19. John chapter 19. Go ahead and have a word of prayer. We'll get started this morning. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for the opportunity you've given us to be here this morning. Father, I pray that as we study your word once more, that, Father, we would leave here being changed, being different than when we came in. And, Father, that your will be accomplished in our lives today. Father, we are going to be here, but without the, the, your word changing us, there's really no point in coming to hear your word being spoken. Father, it ought to make a change in us. And I pray that it would. Father, I know it's, it's changed my thought about things in studying it. And so, Father, I pray that today you would continue to work as only you can. If there's one person here that does not know you as personal Savior today, I pray that today would be that day that they accept uh, you as their personal Savior for taking care of all their sins. And, Father, we just pray for those things today. We love you and thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, my parents are here this morning, and it's very fitting that I talk about my childhood in front of them, so I can tell them what I really think about them in front of everybody. Growing up actually was a ton of fun for me. All, most, I should say most of my memories are fun. There's a few that I did something really dumb, and I paid for it, so those are not so much fun. But we grew up in, if you can imagine this, a very quiet and very reserved home. I mean, nobody ever got loud ever. Look at Mrs. Holmes is like, yeah, right. That's not exactly true. In fact, our home was much the opposite of very quiet and reserved. My, that was my wife's home. Um, our home was extremely loving, but it would often get a little crazy. If you got us all playing a board game in one room, there was no way you were having a conversation in the other room. It wasn't going to happen. You wouldn't be able to hear the conversation. In fact, we were playing a bit of games this week, and it got loud a couple times. Um, of course, if you can imagine, the loudest person in the family is myself, um, but mom would constantly tell me to use my inside voice. Anybody's parents ever tell you that? Okay, use your inside voice. I'm not sure I've mastered that technology yet, but uh, I'm working on that. I just know that it was taught. Now, my sister could get loud. My older sister could get loud. But she would often get loudest in a very, very special circumstance. My sister is two years older than 
I would, for some strange reason, seem to always stub her toe. I don't know how she would do it, but she would always stub her toe. And when she did, she would start yelling in an unknown language. She would hop around holding that toe, yelling in some foreign language. It was, close, it was as close to speaking in tongues as our family ever got. That was as close as we got. It would seemingly go on for minutes of her hopping around, shouting what, in my opinion, could have been expletives in another language. We just have no idea. She was in pain. At times, we would laugh at her. Why not? She's your older sister. Laugh. We would make fun of her. We would join her in jumping around, yelling in different languages. Occasionally, very, very occasionally, some caring, considerate one would ask her if she was okay, to which she would often not even respond, just continue on in her other language. And all of the times that my sister stubbed her toe, though, never once, never one time did she ask me if I was okay. Never once. Never once did she stop and ask me if I wanted something to eat. She never did. Never one time. Never once did she ask how, my dad how work went, or my mom how her day was, she just went on and on in her own little world, caring only about herself. What's up with that? Most of you are thinking, really? Here's human nature for us, right? Human nature dictates, and it says that we care more about our stubbed toe than if your younger brother is hungry or not, right? That's human nature. I care more about the pain immediately hurting me than if my younger brother is hungry or not. But what happens is this. This line of thinking, although natural, carried out too far, can actually become a huge problem. This is a funny story. But if you carry this problem out farther and further, it becomes a huge, huge problem. Let me explain. If you're in the habit of writing things down, would you write this down? Everyone has problems. Okay? You probably don't want to hear that this morning, but that's the truth. Okay? Everyone has problems. Everybody does. Every single person in this room has problems. Every single person on the face of the planet has problems. Every person has been hurt in one way or another. Every single person on the face of the planet has had a struggle. Every single person on the face of the planet has been through difficulty after difficulty after difficulty after difficulty. Now, undoubtedly, you're sitting there thinking, yeah, well, they haven't gone through what I've gone through. My difficulty is harder than most people's difficulty. So undoubtedly, when we hear everyone has troubles or everybody has difficulties or everybody's been hurt, undoubtedly our first reaction is this. Yeah, but mine has been harder. Yeah, but nobody's been in the same problems I've been. Nobody's experienced the same things I've experienced. You don't know how I was hurt. You don't know what I've gone through. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know. And to that I would rebut, you're right. You're 100% correct. I have no idea what you've gone through. I have no idea what pain you feel today because of a hurt that's happened in the past. I have no idea what you've been through, what somebody did to you. I have no idea. And I can quite honestly say that probably nobody else does either. 
To you, it's a very difficult problem. To you, it's hard. To you, it is an entirely different animal than what anybody else has gone through. But my goal today is not to frustrate you and say, yeah, that's the way I feel. My goal today is to encourage you. I don't like preaching depressing messages. I like preaching encouraging messages. And the reality here is today we can be encouraged because I want to show you two lessons that we can learn from our passage today in John chapter 19. So look with me in verse 25. John chapter 19 in verse 25, the Bible says this. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. So there's several ladies standing by. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. In verse 27, then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his home. The last several weeks we've been talking about Jesus and his road to the cross. We've been talking about all of the things that have been happening and we've been really establishing the fact that last week we specifically looked at the religious leaders were jeering, the the soldiers were joking around and there's a group of people, a crowd of people just chanting, prove that you are God, prove that you are God. Come on Jesus, if you are Christ, get yourself down from there. And of course the criminal on the other side of Jesus also was doing the same. Last week we talked about the one criminal who said, hey, remember me. When thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said to him one of the most amazing things. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And so Jesus is at this point. He's on the cross. They have just whipped him with the cat of nine tails again. They have just beat him. They have plucked his beard. They have put a crown of thorns upon his head. And and smashed it down with rods on top of his head. And bleeding and he's cut. And you couldn't even tell that he was a man. And then under the weight of all that, there was no way he could carry his cross again. Someone else had to carry his cross for him all the way to Calvary, to Golgotha, a place of a skull. And there he is, he's nailed to that cross by his hands and his feet. And then he's tilted up and dropped into the hole and jarred. There he is on the cross. It's a horrific, horrific scene. And then while he's on the cross, people are making fun of him. People are laughing at him. People are mocking him. People are yelling and screaming at him. Yet in the midst of the entire crowd, there are three ladies. Three ladies, or sorry, not three ladies, there are several ladies there. Verse 25, now there stood by the cross of Jesus, first of all, his mother and his mother's sister. So his mother's there, his aunt is there. And then Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. There's at least three Marys here. All standing by Jesus. But I want you to notice what happens in verse 26. Watch this. When Jesus, therefore, the next word is a very important word. When Jesus, therefore, saw. Three three letters in one word. Very small word, but it packs a powerful punch when jesus therefore saw his mother when jesus saw listen everything's going on around people are yelling at him people are jeering at him people are joking and making fun of him he's in a great deal of agony and yet what does jesus do he looks out amongst the crowd and he sees his mother 
So I want you to write this down today. The first lesson that we can learn is this. Jesus sees you where you are. Isn't that encouraging to you? Jesus sees you where you are. Hear me. I don't know what hurt you've gone through. I don't know what pain you're in right now. I don't know what struggle you're facing, but I want you to understand this this morning. Jesus sees you right where you are. I want you to imagine Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary would have been going through some excruciating mental and emotional pain. She's standing there watching her son, who doesn't even look like a man, because he's so beaten, so battered. And she stands there and watches him hanging on a cross, lifting himself, trying to get a breath in, and she hears the crowd mocking, and no doubt in her soul, no doubt in her, her very being, she thinks, come on, Jesus, just come down. She desperately wanted him to come down. She knew that he was completely and utterly innocent. She knew it. She would think back to when Jesus was just a child and how little trouble she had with him. He's never told a lie. He's never disrespected me. He's never done anything wrong. So he's innocent. I know that he's innocent. And there he hangs. Picture the excruciating pain. Now, we have mothers in our day and age that their children could be completely and utterly wrong. And moms will go in and rip somebody up one side and down the other for saying that they were wrong. Teachers in school, anybody have anything like that before? Stand there and weep and just watch her son hanging on the cross. But hear me, in the midst of all of that going on, Jesus looks down and sees her. He sees Mary. He sees her in the midst of everything. Listen, Jesus understands what you've gone through. Jesus understands where you are. Jesus knows and he understands what that person did to you. He's got it all. He knows. He sees you where you are. Some of you undoubtedly are skeptical, right? You think, yeah, but that was his mother. Of course he would look down and see her. But do you notice what he says to her? Notice in verse 26, wherefore Jesus saw his mother and the disciple standing by whom he loved. We know that to be John. He saith unto his mother. Look what he says. He says the word woman. Now again, my mom's here today. I'm pretty sure if I call my mom woman, I'm going to be in trouble. My mom's slightly older than I am. I'm bigger than she is, but I think she can still beat me. We, we look at this, most of us look at this and think, what disrespect Jesus has shown his mother. I mean, this is horrible. How dare he, in his last dying moments, knowing that she is hurting, how dare he call her woman? He ought to have more respect than that, right? This is what we're thinking. But the reality is Jesus was not being disrespectful. What I believe was this. Jesus was accomplishing the fact that he was not showing favoritism to any person on planet earth. See, the reality was he was putting everybody on the same plane. You see, Jesus was not just dying for his favorite people. Jesus was not just dying for those closest to him. Jesus was dying for every single person on planet earth and it wasn't just for his mom it wasn't just for his disciple whom he loved it was for every single person and listen jesus mother was there but listen he didn't show any special treatment so what i want to encourage you with today is 
Jesus, though he saw his mother, he sees you. He called her woman, putting her on the same plane as everyone else. Listen, Jesus came for everyone, not just for those closest to him. John chapter 3 and verse 16, the Bible says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him perish but have everlasting life it doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter where you are it doesn't matter what you've gone through it doesn't matter how much hurt you have it doesn't matter how much sin you've caused it doesn't matter if you're a thief on the cross or or a, someone in the crowd or if you're his mother it doesn't matter who you are jesus came for you and for the record jesus sees you and he wants you jesus sees us where we are he gave access to all. In the midst of everything that is going on in the world, Jesus sees you in your need, in your exact need. He's looking at you right now. He knows exactly what you're going through. But Jesus doesn't want you to stay there. Jesus doesn't just know where you are and what you're going through. If you're in the habit of writing things down, write this down. Jesus has a solution. See, this is what I love about this whole thing is we want everybody in the world to see us where we are. We want everybody in the world to, to notice who we are. But the difference with Jesus is he does see you. He notices you. He cares about you. In fact, the Bible tells us that he loves you. But here's the reality. He doesn't want you to stay there. He wants you to move past this. He wants you to have something greater. He wants you to have something brighter in your future. And the reality is, I think most of us that sit here this morning would admit the same. How many of you want something better for your future? Anybody? I do. I, I want to have a great future. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily want to be where I'm at 30 years from now. I'm not talking physically. I'm talking about emotionally. I'm talking about spiritually. I'm talking about even mentally. Oh, yeah, I want to be better I want to do bigger and better things, and I'm not trying to say I'm proud about that, but listen, I think most of us want something better for ourselves in the future. We're talking this week about uh, generational differences, right? A couple generations ago, people didn't have a bathroom inside of the house. And look, I have three in my house today. Like generational, we want something better for our children. We want our future to be better. That's natural, that's normal. But hear this most of us have a solution in our minds as to how we can make things better. Okay, again, I want you your hurt, your pain, something that's gone on in your life. Listen, you have a solution for that pain. You do. Typically, it will look something like this. If that person would just come, apologize. If that person would just come and give me $10,000, then we're good. If that person or if this thing would just be taken care of, we all have our own solution to what we think our hurt, our pain can be solved by. We all have that solution, every single one of us, right? Going through marriage difficulty, I've been in this position, right? Man, if my wife would just change. It'd be so much better. Right? Come on, guys. No, you're up here by yourself, Pastor Owens. You're all alone today. If this would just happen, then all, everything, everything would be so much better. 
most of us are looking for our own solution. Most of us are looking for our own solution. Again, think of Mary's solution. The, what would stop Mary's pain right now? What would be end it, would just completely annihilate it, is if Jesus would just come down from the cross. Jesus, just come down. I know you can do it. I've seen you heal blind men. I've seen you heal or raise Lazarus from the dead. I've seen you heal a lame man. I, I've seen all kinds of amazing things. Just, just come down. It will end my pain. See, Mary had her own solution, I have no doubt. But hear this, and if you're in the habit of writing it down, write this down. My solutions are not always God's solutions. My solutions are not always God's solutions. I want you to look again in this passage what God's solution is for Mary's problem. John 19 and verse 26, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own home. You see, again, Jesus had a much greater purpose for Mary than just to being Mary's son. Jesus had a greater purpose, and that greater purpose was to die for the sins of the entire world. But even in the midst of that, he has a solution to the hurting problem of his mother. Here's your son. Here's someone who will take care of you. Here's someone that will do the job. Here's someone as close to me. My, the, the disciple whom I love is so close to me. Here's the next best thing, John the Apostle. He had a solution. Now, which would Mary prefer to have? Jesus or John? Jesus. That's her preference. But listen, Jesus had a much greater purpose. Jesus had something much bigger that he had to take care of. Listen to me. God has a solution for you. God has a solution for your hurt. God has a solution for your pain. God has a solution for what you're going through right now. But hear me, you have to do it his way. You have to do it his way. You may have tried and 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 as many tries as you've tried to try to make things happen. Do it your way, only to end up in the exact same place, hurting, in pain. Or maybe you're even further down the road because now someone else has hurt you, and it just keeps going and going and going. Can I encourage you today? Maybe it's time to do it God's way. Maybe it's time to do it the way that God intended. Maybe it's the time to do it the way that God wants you to do it. There's an old song written in 1983 by a man by the name of Mike Payne. It's called this. When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. He knew me. He knew me in my wretchedness. He knew me in my ugliness. He knew me in my pain. Yet, he loved me song says listen when jesus was on the cross he could see you he was dying for you god provided a way for you to go to heaven god provided a way for you to be rid of your sins listen you cannot get there any other way 
There'll be other places that will tell you, oh, you can pay enough money to get there. They have their own solution. Hey, you can, you can do enough good works and then you can get there. You can kill enough people and then you'll get there. Listen, there are all kinds of things, all kinds of man-made solutions to try to get to heaven. But Jesus says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's no other way. So some of you have tried and tried and tried to do it your own way. You've tried to work. You've tried to uh, uh, think properly. You've tried to do everything you possibly can, but every one of us falls short. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We can't do it. Is it time that you did it God's way? Is it time that you realize that you are a sinner as nice a person as you are? You're a sinner. And that sin keeps you from God. You can try all you want, but it's only through God. Maybe you're struggling with your hurt. You've come up with solution after solution after solution, and you just can't seem to make it happen. And I encourage you again today to take God's word and find out what his way is. You know, he has a solution for your finances. It's in there. You know, he has a solution for your hurt. It's in there. He has a solution for your relationships. It's in there. He has a solution for your children. It's in there. He has a solution for your anger. It's in there. He has a solution for abandonment. It's in there. And he has a solution for just about everything else, if not everything else. Jesus has a solution if, hear me, if you will just trust in his way. Now here's the deal. One of the ways that we can trust his way is by doing what he says. You know what I love about this passage is it finishes this for us. Wouldn't it have been a bummer if he just stopped at, then saith he to the disciple, behold thy mother. That's it. Oh good, we, we've, we've got the titles down, right? Here's your son, here's your mother. Oh great, that's great. And we'll just go our separate ways, right? Okay, problem solved, right? Not happening, right? Because the reality is the problem's not taken care of. The problem is just identified. And here's the problem. Most of us won't identify the problem, first of all. Well, we need to. Identify your problem. And then Jesus has a solution. And look at, they actually did this. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. Is that all right? There's, there's a solution here, and we've got to act upon it. So, Listen to this verse, if you will. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Let nothing, hear me, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Notice this. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And I don't have verse 5 in there, but I want to say it to you today. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. That even in the midst of my hurt, even in the midst of my struggle, I need to look out and see people who are hurting and esteem others better than themselves. So the second lesson is this. Live like 
Jesus. Jesus sees you in your hurt. But the second lesson is this, live like Jesus. Again, in the midst of his pain, you gotta, I don't, we cannot physically imagine the pain he's gone through. Not only that, we cannot imagine the spiritual pain he's going through. Having never sinned, having sin placed upon him. Every sin, your sin, my sin, the sin of the entire world. Placed on Jesus Christ, he who knew no sin. The spiritual pain that he would have gone through. The agony, the mocking, the jeering, the yelling, the screaming. All of that's going on. Listen, Jesus looked away from his own suffering to look on the needs of others. He looked away from his own suffering, and he looked on the needs of others. There is no antidote to ease the pain of your current experience like finding someone else who is suffering and helping them. Can I say that again? There is no antidote to ease the pain of your current experience like finding someone else who is suffering and helping them. But that's not human nature, is it? Remember my sister bouncing around? shouting. She's in pain. Not one time did she look at me and say, hey, bud, are you hungry? Why? Because human nature is to take care of our own problems and live in them. We want to live in them, and we want to feel bad, and we want somebody to notice us. But remember, everyone has problems. Everyone is going through something. And most of us want this. You know what we want? We want everyone to be like Jesus to us. Right? Oh man, I'm hurting. Why can't somebody be like Jesus to me? Why can't somebody come and say and give me a solution? Why can't somebody do something for me? I'm, I'm hurting. I'm hurting. I'm hurting. Jesus, why can't somebody be Jesus to me? But here's the deal. We need to be Jesus to somebody else. I believe this, you will, not, you will not reap until you sow, but you will always reap what you sow. So if you are Jesus to somebody else, I just have a sneaking suspicion that somebody will be Jesus to you when you need it, when you're in trouble, when you're in pain, when you just can't go on any further, somebody's going to come alongside of you and say, hey, let me encourage you. But it probably won't happen unless you're doing it for other people. Listen, who's going to break the cycle? Who's going to start being Jesus to other people? Who will be the first to reach out and be like Jesus in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your difficulty, in the midst of your hurt, saying, okay, I'm hurting, but there's somebody out there that's hurting as well, and I'm going to find that person, and I want to help them. And I'm going to encourage them. Jesus, in this passage, was just simply practicing what he preached. He was simply practicing what he preached. I want you to understand, human nature again dictates that when I'm hurting, I will just continue to hurt and hold everything inside of me. So that's natural. Listen, without Jesus Christ, you will never perform the supernatural. You will never look out past your need. You need Christ in your life. You need to do it through him, through the power of the Holy Spirit. You physically cannot do it, but only through the power of Jesus Christ can you look through and see someone else in their need? Jesus was practicing what he preached. He knew that his mother was hurting. And so what did he do? In honor, he preferred her above himself. I know you're hurt today. Everybody. 
I know you're going through something. And Jesus sees you and he doesn't want you to stay there. He wants you to move forward. He wants you to reach out to someone else who is in need. So let me just simply ask you this question. Will you take his advice today? Will you live like Jesus and will you reach out to someone in need? Because when we know he sees us, somebody cares about us, he's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. We know we are in his hands. It becomes that much easier to reach out to somebody else and point them to that same Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for all you've done. The fact that you look down on us and see us. David said, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Why would, why would an almighty God even look down and see us, but yet you do? You know the very hairs upon our head. You know our emotional state. You know our mental state. You know our physical state. You know, you know exactly where we are. And Father, you don't want us to stay there. You want us to trust in you. Father, there's a group of people here today that that is what they needed to hear. They just needed to be encouraged that you see them, and that you want them to move on. Father, I pray that today they would take the next step, whatever that step is, but it would be your step, not their own. Father, for the rest of us who have been hurt, help us not to live there. Help us to live like Jesus. Help us to live like you did on the cross. And you looked down and you simply saw Mary. Father, today you, there's people in this auditorium, there's people in this town that we just need to see. We need to, in honor, prefer them above ourselves. We need to put their needs above ours. Father, you've said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And so I pray that today, Bible Baptist Church would be a church that reaches out to a world who needs you. We'll give you the honor and praise and glory for it.